What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. What is up and welcome back, you guys, to the Very Best Self Podcast. I am excited because today is going to be kind of my first solo episode. I mean, I guess my initial episode was solo, but this is kind of a solo episode, a story that I'm going to go through. Uh, And it's one that I've told in bits and pieces on other podcasts as I've been guests on different podcasts over the years. But today I'm going to tell the whole story and I'm going to tell it my way. So today, the story that I am telling on this solo interview is my soul cycle story. And anytime I do, you know, and ask me anything or, you know, the DMs that I get on Instagram, a lot of times people just want to know about soul cycle and how I got to where I am and and maybe it's not because they want to become a soul cycle instructor, maybe it's because they want to you know, teach some other kind of fitness or succeed at anything, right, in life. And so I get a lot of questions around it. And so today I'm going to tell the story of how I got to where I am within the fitness industry, specifically as it pertains to SoulCycle. And I think this is a story or it seems like from the outside, it's this huge part of who I am. And I think I don't talk about it so much because to me, what I do for a living is actually such a very small part of who I am and what I represent in the world and what I care about. And I think that's the reason why I actually don't talk about SoulCycle so much because to me, it feels like this very small part of me, but I'm going to dive all the way in today. So we will rewind to to actually let's go earlier than 2011. 2011 is when I started working at SoulCycle, I believe. Um, It's been nine and a half years now, Uh, but we're going to go further back. So college VB is where we will start. So this is one of my kind of moments in my life. And we all have those moments, right? So this is one of those defining moments for me. I went to college in South Carolina. I went to Coastal Carolina University, and my graduation day was coming up. And I was pretty close with my guidance counselor, and I remember still feeling like, okay, graduation is coming. I have a degree in communication and journalism, and you know, what exactly am I going to do with that? And I didn't have a plan, and I think that's I mean, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I feel like so many people, you know, their graduation day comes close and they're like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go from here? What exactly is next for me? And so that's kind of where I was. And I remember getting really quiet with myself. I remember kind of asking myself questions and being like, what is it that you love to do? What is it that you really, really care about? And so I found within getting quiet with myself, these two things to be true about myself. So I knew that I loved public speaking and I knew that I wanted to help people. I was like, okay, cool. That felt like 
I really uncovered something. I was like, okay, cool. So those are the two things I know that I love about myself. And I'm like, all right, awesome. I'm going to schedule this appointment with my guidance counselor. I'm going to march in there. I'll tell her these two things and I'll be like, great. Tell me what I, what I should do with my life. So that's what I did. I walked in there and I'm telling you, I was so excited for this, for this appointment to meet with her. And I sat down and, you know, I got all comfortable in the chair and I was like, okay, these are the two things I know to be true about myself. And I started, I told her my two things that I love public speaking and I know that I want to help people. And I said, okay, so how do I make a career out of that? What do I do with that? And I will never forget her kind of looking at me, you know, and then looking at the door and saying like, kid, there's the door. You got to go out there and figure that out. I can't give you those answers. And I was like, huh? I was like, you're my guidance counselor. You're supposed to tell me what I should do, where I should go from, from where I am. And, and she's like, you simply have to go out into the world and figure that out. So I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, cool. So I held on to those two things and I put them in my back pocket. And then I moved out to LA for an internship. And this was right after graduation. And I was like, all right, uh, I had always been in love with uh, Katie Couric. So I have a story around that. You know, she was the host of today's show when I was a kid. And I remember in the mornings, my mom would get ready for work. And I remember I she would get me ready first for school in the morning. And then I would kind of sit on her bed while she got ready. And we would watch today's show every single morning. And I was like, Katie Couric, I was enamored with her. I was like, just thought she, the way she connected with people, the way she spoke to people, the way she interviewed people and people would just open up to her, really just open up. And there was something, I don't think I knew at the time why I was so enamored by her, but I think she just had this presence about her that made people feel really, really comfortable and seen and heard. And she would just to people. And I always loved that. So in my mind at the time, I took that as, okay, I should be on a TV host. I should be on air. I should be, you know, and I, I did an internship prior at a news station and hated it, hated it. Like it was the worst experience of my life. I was like, this is miserable. I don't want to do this. So I was like, okay, maybe I need to explore the hosting world and do it in a more upbeat and fun way. So I was like, okay, I want to be a host on E! News. That's what I want to do. That is what I want to do. So I moved out to LA to do an internship in marketing and PR. Okay, stay with me on this story. So I move out there to do an internship with marketing and PR because while I did want to pursue, pursue hosting at the time, I was like, well, that's not safe. I should do what I'm supposed to do. And I, you know, saw everybody else graduating and and doing things and going off to their jobs. And I was like, okay, marketing and PR, I should get into that, you know, and I'll explore that. So I did that internship over the summer and once again, hated it, hated it. That was not for me. And I remember this story kind of goes all over the place, but, you know, my grandfather had given me the Dr. Phil book. And so the beginning of this book, uh, hopefully I'm not spoiling it for you, but, you know, he talks about this guy who, you know, his dad had this physical therapy practice and he was going to share his physical therapy practice with his son. So all his son had to do was go to school, get the degree in physical therapy, and then his dad would give him the practice. He would have this whole easy life built for him, given to him, passed down to him all the clients, everything. So that's what he did. He went to school, 
got his degree in physical therapy, took over his father's practice, and one day woke up and he noticed that he had a beautiful wife who was kind and loving, and he had beautiful children and a beautiful home and a beautiful car. And he's like, why am I unhappy? Why am I unhappy? He couldn't figure it out. And he talked to his wife and then, you know, he realized that he had pursued what the world wanted him to pursue, what everyone on the outside told him he should do, and never took a moment to ask himself who he was at his core, what he cared about at his core, and what he should really do with his life. And so he's telling this story about this guy and then he reveals that the guy he's telling the story about is in fact Dr. Phil. And so he abandoned the physical therapy practice and obviously became who he is today because he listened, he uncovered all of, you know, the I should be this and what I'm supposed to be this. And he uncovered who he actually was and was willing to step into his power. And so it was a really pivotal time in my life when my grandfather gave me that book. And I was like, why am I going after marketing and PR, something I've never cared about, something that's not going to fulfill those two things that I love? And I kind of stopped in my tracks and I was like, this isn't for me. Why am I going to go after that? I'm going after this because the world told me that I should, because it looks good or I don't know. It just seemed like what I was supposed to do, but not what who Victoria Brown was at her core and what would make me really happy. So I completely trashed that after that internship in LA, moved back home with my parents and was working at a restaurant at the time. And I'll just say it. uh, Many people know this. Some people don't. I worked at Hooters for many years. And so that's kind of where I worked uh, while I, quote unquote, figured it out. So I never forgot those two things, right? And then I saved up all the money that I could. I think it took me about two and a half years. And I moved out to LA to pursue TV hosting. And to me, that felt terrifying to do because I watched all of my friends with their nine to fives and I saw them climbing their ladders and, and, you know, getting promotions and being successful. And here I was just a waitress at the time, just a waitress. And so I moved out to LA and continued working uh, in the restaurant out there uh, and was pursuing my hosting, was pursuing all of that, going to auditions and putting myself out there. And I think at the time I worked like three jobs. Uh, well, it was two at that time. And so the long story endless is very weirdly, the universe was at play, isn't it always? <laughs> LOL. Uh, so my childhood best friend, Jada, her husband, his sister, stay with me, uh, was one of the founding instructors at SoulCycle. So my childhood best friend's husband's sister <laughs> was one of the founding instructors at SoulCycle. Her name is Kim Perfetto. So Kim was working in New York City where SoulCycle was founded. And this kind of all happened at once. And I remember, you know, SoulCycle was this like phenomena that was like happening, phenomenon that was happening uh, on the East Coast in New York City. And it was like insane. And it was just crazy popular. And 
I'm working at the restaurant and I am pursuing TV hosting. And I guess in the midst of all of this, they were going to open the very first SoulCycle studio outside of New York. So they were going to open that in West Hollywood, California, in Los Angeles, where I lived. And they asked Kim if she would move out to the West Coast to open up this first ever SoulCycle outside of New York. So she said yes. So Kim moves to the West Coast. And I don't know why this part of the story is not necessarily important, but for whatever reason, I remember exactly where I was when she called me. And because Kim and I were bridesmaids in Jada's wedding, uh, obviously, Uh, I was her brother and my best friend. And I remember she was like, I'm moving out to LA. Uh, you know, I'm going to open up the soul cycle out there. And I remember I was in downtown LA, uh, oddly walking through like Santee Alley or something like super downtown, downtown. If you know LA, if you're familiar. And I remember looking at my phone and seeing that Kim was calling and I was like, ah, so I answer. And she's like, you know, they need some front desk staff. Do you want to work at soul cycle? And I said, hmm. No, not really. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I don't really need another job. Like, I'm not really, I don't, I don't need another job. She's like, well, I think you would love it. And I think you'd be really great there. And, you know, I, I think you should think about it. I really think you should work there. And I'm like, once again, in my mind, I'm like, I don't really need another job. But I'm like, I really liked Kim. I thought she was like really cool. And I was excited about SoulCycle opening there because I'd heard from her like how cool it was. And, you know, of course, read all the millions of articles on the internet about how cool SoulCycle was. So, I'm like, you know what? Okay, sure. I'll go to the interview. So I remember waking up the day of the interview and sitting across from the person who was interviewing me and thinking, I don't know why I'm here. I don't want this job. I don't want to work here, but here I am. And then I remember them calling me, telling me I got the job. And then I remember showing up on the first day of work in my yellow tank top and thinking to myself, I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) I don't want this job. I don't need this job. And I continued to work there. And then I fell in love with it. I fell so in love with it. I was like, this place is special. And I learned so many life skills that I never intended on learning. I learned just so much about human beings, about people, about treating everyone with kindness and treating everyone equally. And Of course, I knew about all of those things, but I think there's something really magical about a fitness studio in the sense that it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, it's this major equalizer. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter who you love. It doesn't matter where you're from. None of that matters. So you've got like C-level executives. You've got A-list celebrities all the way down to college kids you know, who are showing up to take this class. You've got people who, you know, can buy a class 10 pack without the blink of an eye. And then you've got people who are, you know, working down the street at a cupcake shop, scraping together pennies to take one class and get in there. And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how you paid for it. It just matters that like everyone is the same and you're in that same space. So I learned, you know, when people walked in the door, I memorize every rider's name. I knew every rider's name that came in the door. I knew their shoe size. I knew what their kids' names were. I knew like intimate details about their lives. And it taught me just to get to know people, no matter what, wherever you are. And I 
I, I remember, I'll never forget that really because I've taken it everywhere with me. Like if I'm at Starbucks and I go to the same Starbucks, you know, a couple times a week, I want to know every person behind that counter. I want to know all their names. I want to know their names. So when I walk in, I can like say, you know, thank you so much, Jessica, for making my latte or, you know, whoever it is, right? I I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned from the front desk is just remembering people's names and how special that makes people feel. And that's something I'll take and keep with me forever and something I will definitely pass on to my kids. People feel really good when you remember their names. They just do. It just It's something you're just like, oh, you remembered my name and that feels good. So from there, I, I fell in love with working at the front desk and I was still working at the restaurant as well. And then I didn't really have a dream to be on the podium. I didn't. I didn't. I loved taking classes, but I never looked up at the instructor and thought, oh man, I want to do that. And so we've talked in the past about, you know, I think it was Alex Oss episode where we talked about happy accidents, right? And things that happen on accident in our lives and kind of how the universe is a little bit at play and how we should just follow the things that make us feel the most alive. And so I think I had been working there for around two years and was super happy, loved it there, had fun at work, you know, spraying shoes, wiping down bikes, but I had fun at work. I loved it. I loved it. And they always did the training program out in New York City. And, you know, like I said, it's not something that I was necessarily drawn to. And they had announced that they were going to do their first ever training program out in LA. And it was going to, they were going to pilot a shortened program that was only going to be three weeks long. That's it. Just three weeks. And meanwhile, the New York one was, I think, two months long. So it was a shortened program and it was going to be in LA. And the program was going to be based out of my home studio that I worked at. And so I kind of was like, huh, well, I think instructors make a little bit more a lot more than uh, front desk staff. And I thought, hmm, I know they have flexible schedules. I was like, well, maybe, maybe I could become an instructor and I would still have a flexible schedule because at the time I was working, you know, they call it what the graveyard shift. I would work at like 5.30 a.m. at SoulCycle. I would open the studio and the shifts were like 5.30 a.m. to like noon, right? So then I would get off and then I would go to all of my auditions all over town. And I was like, well, instructors, they have this very flexible, you know, you go into the studio, you teach your class, and then you have the rest of your day. And I was like, I could probably make more money as an instructor and still be able to go to all of my auditions and pursue TV hosting. So I was like, okay, all right, that sounds pretty good. And I was like, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. I don't know. And things were very different back then. So the same day of the audition, as I said, things were very different. Um, I decided to hop in to the audition. So I jumped into the audition very last minute. And uh, I always say this now in hindsight, had I known then that I was going to love you know, being an instructor so much and that it would become my career, I probably would have completely bombed <laughs> the audition. But at the time, I just didn't have a lot of skin in the game. I didn't have a lot of stake in it. Like it didn't really matter so much to me. If I if I got it, that would have been amazing. But if I didn't, I wasn't going to be heartbroken. I was just like, whatever. You know, I felt very nonchalant about it. It was a super last minute thing. And that always cracks me up because I just didn't put so much pressure on myself. So I got in, did the audition. And uh, I get the call back that 
I made it into the training program. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> really? Are you sure? I, I Okay, cool. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to go to training. I guess I'm just going to do this, you know? And then that's when the craziest thing happened. It was like this perfect storm, one of those aha moments. I got to training. I remember miking up and I remember standing on that podium. And I remember, you know, as I started to learn how to do all of the things, I was like, whoa, OMG. Suddenly I was transported back to my senior year in college. Suddenly I was brought to this place where I was like, wow, you get to mic up every single day. That means that you get to do public speaking. And Soul Cycle is an escape for people and it is, you know, mental therapy for so many people. And it is, it's, it's something that they look forward to and you get to be the bright, a bright spot in, in someone's day. And so wait, I also get to help people. Wow. That's my two, those are my two things. I love public speaking and I want to help people. Those are the two things I care the most about. And I was like, this big aha moment that was like, oh my God, I never expected this. I never expected it. And I didn't put two and two together because I think in life we get so married to what it is that we think we're supposed to do. And I've said this a million times in my soul cycle classes, which is sometimes or a lot of times the dream stays the same but the vessel changes. So never in a million trillion years did I think my vessel would come in the form of a stationary bike, but it did. And that opened me up to a lot of things in life because I've never forgotten that. I think people tell you that you have to have tunnel vision when it comes to whatever your dream is, but I think politely, respectfully. I think I disagree. I think I actually disagree because, you know, when you, when we fixate on things, we put our blinders on to, to have this, you know, tunnel vision that people talk about. It's like these blinders are shutting off all of our peripheral vision to these other vessels that our, our dreams can actually take shape and form into. And so, I don't know that I totally subscribe to this idea of tunnel vision uh, because, you know, as I, as I stepped into that, a couple other things happened. You know, I, I put myself in the shoes of what is it? What's my life like if I wake up every single day and I am successful on e-news? What happens? What am I talking about? What's the content of what I'm talking about, right? And that is a full circle moment in and of itself as well because I, I'm brought back to the, the Dr. Phil story. Because I would be, I would be waking up every day talking about celebrities and what they're doing with their lives. And, and guess what? I don't give a shit about that. I've never cared about that. Victoria Brown has never cared about the gossip column of, of you know, I, I, I just, I'm not that person. Like, to each their own, if you are, like, hell yes. But I'm just, it's just not, has, it's never been something that was, you know, a passion of mine. And so while, yes, I would have been you know, feeding that part of me that loves public speaking, uh, 
I wouldn't be helping anybody. And I certainly wouldn't be talking about content that I cared about that made me feel alive. Uh, and so it's so funny because I sort of, it was a happy accident that I stumbled upon Soul Cycle. But once I got there, it was like nothing in my life had ever felt more right. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I didn't fail at becoming a TV host. I just realized that that actually wasn't for me. So I let that go and went all in on the Soul Cycle journey. And Gosh, at uh, let me try to not make this episode like one million years long because I feel like there's so much of this story still to tell. Uh, so uh, yeah, I started. Um, I, I went through training, and like I said, it was it was three weeks long. It was a shortened program, and at the end of the program, uh, some people know this this story, and some people don't. But at the end of this the program, you know, I remember getting on a Zoom call because the people who ran the program had had uh, Marvin and Melanie had, uh, or Parker at the time actually, had moved uh, or went back to New York. So I get on a Zoom call and they're like, so we're going to present you with two options. You're doing decently well. You have these community rides where they kind of like assess if you're, your readiness, if you will. And they're like, you're doing decently well. We're gonna, we can put you on the schedule and we'll give you two to three classes a week and we'll see how you perform. And based on rider feedback, we will, you know, give you more classes. Or, or, and I'm like, what's the or? <laughs> They're like, you can come to New York and we would love for you to do the New York training program, which was the longer one. And I'm like, gulp, <laughs> what? <laughs> And in my mind, I actually knew immediately what my choice was going to be. But, you know, I said, okay, they'll like take some time, a couple of days to think about it. And, you know, we'll get back on a call and, and you can let us know what you think. And immediately I knew what I was going to do because I was like, okay, well, they're obviously not excited about me. They're not jazzed about where I'm going and what I can do. And I knew immediately that I was going to go to New York and repeat training. I was going to do it again. And that was a super humbling choice. And I got on the call and I was like, hey, I made my decision. <laughs> and I messed with them a little bit. I was like, I think I could get on the schedule, those two to three classes. I could kill it. I could really you know, crush it. I was like, but I think I'm going to come to New York and do the training again. And I remember Marvin and Melanie, who I spoke with, I remember they almost were like tearing up because no one had ever chosen to repeat the program. Nobody had ever chosen that. And that was that same offering was given to two other people in my LA training program. And they did not take that option. And so I was the only one who said, yes, I was like, I'm going to come to New York. I'm going to do it again, which was a leap of faith. But I just, I knew in my gut, it wasn't, it wasn't too scary because I knew in my gut, I just, I listened to myself. I was like, I know this is what I should do. I knew. And so I figured it out. I stayed in a studio apartment in New York city and I stayed there. There was another girl, Gail, uh, who was doing the training program. She was coming out from LA to New York to do the program. And so she and I had never really spent a bunch of time together, but we're like, you want to be roommates? Let's find somewhere to live. She's like, okay. So we found this teeny tiny studio. You guys, I could put like both arms out and basically touch the other side of the wall. And that was the whole entire studio. I kid you not. It had one of those crazy Murphy beds that like came out of the wall. I'm not kidding. 
you could barely get around the bed when it was down to get to the bathroom. You had to like shimmy to get around over to the bathroom. It was crazy. Um, so we shared that apartment. And so all of a sudden I found myself paying rent in the two most expensive cities in the nation. I'm paying rent in LA and I'm paying rent in New York City. So I'm like draining all of my savings at this time because now the training program for me, because there was some time in between the LA program and when the New York one started. So at this point, it's been like six or seven months that I'm not working. So at this point, I am paying rent in two cities and draining my savings account. And I go through the program. I finish it. Something does definitely click for me. I definitely found my voice. I found comfortability. Um, and, you know, I think I, I, I mentioned it a million times, but I think the universe was definitely at play. Uh, Gail was a huge part of that journey. She had been teaching spin uh, for many years. And I remember it was like having her as my roommate. I remember at the time was just kind of this serendipitous thing because I learned so much from her. And she just like really helped me a lot with forgetting about what people thought about me and just being myself and owning who I was and knowing that that was enough. And so I really did find my voice in that second training program. So I get back to to LA and at that point, you know, they're like, you're going to teach in, in West Hollywood, which was such an honor uh, at the time. It was such a big deal to be teaching there. It was like the Mecca. And I will never forget at that time, you know, just building it, having to build it. And I poured everything that I'd ever learned from the front desk into into becoming an instructor, everything I'd ever learned, which was get to know people, know people's names, make people feel special, learn about their lives. I learned all of that on the front desk. And I translated that to the Soul Cycle Room, to me as an instructor. You know, I, I've said also this before, but if you come into my room and you're a brand new rider and I say, who's here for the first time, raise your hand, and you raise your hand, I don't just wave at you and say, hey, welcome. I want to know your name. Typically, I if you're in the back row, I would walk off of the podium all the way to the back row, shake your hand, look you in the eye, welcome you to the this, this studio, welcome you to the family. Um, and I think, I don't know, I learned all of that on the front desk. And so to anyone out there who wants to become successful at any fitness studio or probably, <laughs> probably at anything, uh, I got to the studio early, every single class still do today. I am always the first person at the studio and I am always the last person to leave. Try to memorize as many names as you can. Get to work early. Say hello and greet. Be there. When your riders walk in the door, be there to greet them. Be there to get to know them. Take that time to talk about other things, about what they're going through in their lives. You know, Get to know people. Actually care about people. And then after class, Definitely always be the last person to leave and connect with people. Connect with people. That's what it's all about. That is the difference maker, I believe. And so I taught in West Hollywood and Beverly Hills and, uh, you know, found some success along the way and, you know, was doing really well out in LA. And, you know, the thing that was, there was like this 6am class that kind of put me on the map uh, at the time. And I remember thinking I would always be in the shadow of those who came before me. I remember thinking that for such a long time, and I didn't necessarily believe in myself. Uh, but then I got this 6am class and 
I have no idea how it happened. I mean, I guess I do. I spent time getting to know people, but I'm also a psycho morning person who was just like very excited to be there every single morning. So I connected with those 6 a.m. riders. And I remember that Beverly Hills class in six a- at 6 a.m. was the first, I think it was Tuesday, Thursday I had it. It was the first set of classes that I started to sell out. And then everything just kind of took off from there. And so I've got all these sold out classes and uh, things are going really well. And then I decide I'm going to leave LA. I had been there for five and a half years and I was going to move to DC. I was dating someone at the time who I knew I was going to break up with. I knew it wasn't going to work out. Um, So I didn't move. People on the outside would think I moved for him. I actually didn't. Um, I wanted to gain success then and step beyond, as I said, the shadows of the, those who came before me. And I knew I needed to cover ground in order to do that. I knew that I needed to move to a new market and prove myself in a second market. I needed to repeat what I had done and show that that wasn't an accident and repeat it in another market. I knew that I could take what I learned on the front desk. I knew I could take what I learned in the giant big city of Los Angeles. And I knew that with those those skills and the things that I learned, I could move to a smaller market, potentially be the big fish in the small pond. And so I did. I moved back to the East Coast because the guy I was dating at the time lived, he had, we were doing long distance and he lived on the East Coast. And I was there a mere month and a half <laughs> uh, before I broke up with him. So I uh, definitely did move there for my career. I knew it was going to be, I just knew I had to do it. And when I tell you there was like a different level of confidence on me when I got to the East Coast, there was a different level of confidence on me. And it was like for the first time I was me because in LA all the time I would get, you know, people would give me these backhanded compliments after class. They would say, I only ride with so-and-so, but this was really good. Uh, Okay. Know what I'm supposed to take from that, you know? And it just felt like there was always going to be this, these, these giant mega names above me. So my strategy when I moved to DC was, you know, it's I didn't take any other instructors for maybe two months. And that's hard, right? Because you want to support your coworkers and you want to jump into classes, and and that's important. That's really important. You should always do that. But I had to make that choice for myself. I was like, okay, what is my class? Who am I? What am I bringing to the table? And, you know, really, really, if I dug deep into stepping into my voice and my community, I got to make sure that what I'm creating and what I'm doing is not a washed up version of what somebody else is doing. I needed it to be mine. And so I was like, I got to eliminate any and all other outside influences and teach a class that is. Victoria Brown's at its core. And so that's what I did. And I focused really heavily for many months when I first moved to DC on, you know, creating something that was mine and then getting to know people and building community there. And God, I have so much love for both my LA community and DC community. Uh, The VB squad, shout out. Hey. Yeah. And then... (sighs) This is a long-winded story, guys. I hope you're still with me. (laughs) 
I knew that there was another level. I've always, I feel like I'm always looking ahead to, to being grateful for where I, where I am, but also thinking ahead to like, okay, what's the next level? And at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm getting up, you know, 11 times a week, 12 times a week and doing almost, almost, I mean, if you will, kind of like a motivational talk for 45 minutes, 10 to 11 times a week. And, uh, I don't mean, I don't say that to sound boastful in any way. Like it's just kind of, if you've ever taken my class, it's, it's just kind of what I do. It's, it's, it's in my DNA. It's what I do. And I was like, all right, that's here one minute and it's gone the next. It's got to live on. How do I make that something that lives on? So I remember there was no at-home bike at the time and we're talking like 2018 maybe. I mean, this was like a long time ago when I was living in DC and I started hounding them. I was like, when are we going to come up with our own at-home bike? I remember this. You know, I was any interview I was on, anytime I had a talk with my, you know, my bosses, I was like, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? Are we going to have an at-home bike? When are we doing an, a digital platform? When is it happening? I mean, I'm, I was asking about this like, years and years and years ago. Like I've been like, I knew, like, I just knew I had to be a part of it from the bottom of my heart, like the depths of my soul. I was like, I've got to be a part of this. I've got to be a part of this. And so they're like, we don't even, that's like not even on our radar. We're not even like thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, well, I just kept asking. I just kept asking. I just kept asking. And they kept saying, it's not even on our radar. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're going to do it eventually. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so then at the time, there was a couple t- or a little bit of time goes by and there's this woman who's hired and uh, she's like, you know, let's call her VP of talent or something. Uh, and she is kind of spearheading this at home thing. So she puts out an email that they are going to do the pilot for the at-home bike. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is my opportunity. So it's a company-wide email. They tell every instructor, you can create a audition tape and they want to see you basically, I think it was like ride the bike for a minute and then answer these questions about the at-home bike or about why you want to be on the bike. And so I hire, I'm not kidding you guys, I hire a professional videographer. That's how serious I took this, okay? I hire a professional videographer to record my video for my audition tape. And I send it in and I'm like, hell yes, this is the best thing I've ever created. There's no way they're going to turn me down. I'm so getting this. Turn it in. Don't get in. Don't get accepted. And I'm crushed. Crushed when I tell you crushed. I was like... I just know I'm supposed to be on this bike. I just know I'm supposed to do this. I just know it. And I'm crushed. And I'm like, okay, what do we do? Do we take no for an answer? Well, no, never. (laughs) So I remember this is what I did. The woman who was in charge of this, her name was Angela. She's no longer with SoulCycle. Uh, But... She, I, I sent her an email and I lied. <laughs> I said, Hey, I'm going to be up in New York, uh, visiting some friends. I was not visiting friends at all. I went up to New York specifically to meet with her. So 
I meet with her and I was like, you know, I asked her, I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in New York visiting friends. Can we get coffee? So she's like, yeah, sure. I'd love to get to know you more, whatever. So we get coffee. I ask her if we can walk to a coffee shop nearby. She's like, yeah. So as we're walking, she has no idea. Uh, it's going to become a pitch meeting. (laughs) So I go on this walk with her and I'm like, Hey, I submitted my audition tape. I'm like, I got to be on this bike. I know I need to be on this bike. And then it was like this, you know, it was, it was all encompassing. It was like everything I've ever worked on or, you know, cared about in my life. It feels like was coming to fruition on this bike. It was like, you know, I was like, listen, I am a classically trained TV host. I've, I've hosted live TV shows. I know how to be on camera. Like I, I know this, like in my, like, I know it, I've learned it. I was like, not to mention like, you know, I'm obsessed with what I do at SoulCycle. And it's like this merriment of all the things that I love all at in one place. I was like, I got to be on this bike. And so she tells me you missed the dinghy. You didn't miss the boat. So I'm like, okay, I don't really know what that means. But like, she's like, you're not, don't, you know, not counted out yet. You know, we just did the pilot. I'm like, okay. So I told her all these things. And then uh, I'm living in DC at the time and a lot of time goes by and I decide I'm going to move to New York. So in the meantime, I moved to New York and then I, I get to New York and I've been in New York City for three months, maybe. When I get a text from Angela and she's like, Hey, can you jump on a call real quick? And I'm like, sure. So I get on the call and she's like, we would love to have you on the at home soul cycle at home bike. And I'm like, I start crying. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, yes, yes, yes. And I tell this story because I don't know what people's perspective is on the outside, but In case anyone thinks or thought that it was any of the success I feel like I've ever gotten up until this point was given, it wasn't. It was A, earned, B, fought for. A lot of times in life, I think when you're told no, especially when you pour your heart and soul into something the way that I did for, you know, hiring a professional videographer and and sending in my audition tape and then being told no, I think... I think a lot of people might stop there. They might say, okay, it didn't happen for me. Like, why? There's always a back door. There's always a side window. There's always another way in. And if you want something badly enough, and if you fight for it, you can find your way. And as I said before, it's also about not being so rigid in in what the vessel needs to be and knowing that that vessel will change over time. And do I think I'll be a soul cycle instructor for the rest of my life forever and ever? Like, no, probably not. I think my vessel will change. I think it's maybe possible that uh, this podcast itself is, is, is another vessel, right? Uh, and so being open to those different vessels and, and how life changes is, is super important. I probably left some things out, but I think that is pretty much the whole story. Let me, let me say this, uh, up until now, up until now, that is the story up until now. So obviously, you know, it remains to be seen what will come next and how it all unfolds, but that is where we are at up until now. 
I know it was the long one. I hope that there were bits and pieces in there that help you feel inspired about whatever it is that you're going after in your life, be that the fitness industry or otherwise, because it applies to everyone and whatever it is you're trying to do or trying to succeed at. And I think ultimately, the the biggest piece of advice that I would give in terms of finding success is forget how anyone who ever came before you did it and ask yourself, how are you going to do it? For me, that was moving to three different markets and building a community. And that's, that's what it was for me, but that's not what it is for everybody. It's so different. So no matter what industry you're in, forget about how everyone who ever came before you did it. How are you going to do it? Because so often we want the the blueprint. We want the roadmap. So we'll say, okay, so-and-so has the job I want. So what did they do? Okay, so it looks like they went here and then they did this and then they did that. So maybe I'll go there and I'll do that and I'll do that. But it doesn't always equate to the same success uh, plus it eliminates the fun out of the journey of figuring out how to do it your way and writing your story and telling your story. So forget how everybody else, whoever came before you did it and ask yourself, how are you going to get there? What are you going to do? What sets you apart? What makes you different? And rewinding all the way back to the beginning, if you haven't had that conversation with yourself to ask, what makes you feel the most alive? What do you care the most about? So for me, it was two things, but maybe it's more or maybe it's one, it's less for you, who knows? But I knew, I was like, I love public speaking and I want to help people. And fortunately, I've been able to build a life off that, which is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and also I forgot the most Maybe the most important thing to recognize throughout all of this is that I've been working at SoulCycle for nine and a half years, nine and a half years. So any success that I have found, it took time. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of dedication. That's a long stretch of time. And so I think society, especially these days, they want instant gratification. You know, you start working at a job and you're like, well, I didn't get promoted or fast enough, or I didn't get promoted at all. Or, you know, there's been certainly years where I haven't been promoted at all. And, you know, you, you keep going, you keep showing up, you keep doing the work. And eventually you are rewarded for the work, but it's not necessarily going to be an overnight success. So understand that it takes time. It takes time and be okay with the time that it's going to take to get to where you want to go. Um, all right. I hope you loved today's episode, you guys. Uh, keep following along. Keep tuning in. Keep showing up for yourself. Uh, I am your host, Victoria Brown. Follow me on Instagram at Victoria Brown. Follow our 
pod handle at very best self. If you're listening, you are a part of the VB squad. Don't you forget it. The very best self squad. Uh, Leave us five stars, please. I appreciate it. Share this with someone you love and uh, leave a comment and review if you uh, feel so inclined. I would love that. Have the most amazing day. I'll catch you next time. See you soon.